1: Childhood, pluck out a movie, give it a rewatch, and have a chat about it. I'm Emily Slade, and welcome back. You watched it so many times before, and now you're gonna watch it again. But it's been so many years since you last saw it, and now you show it to your friends, and they're like, "What? The- what am I watching? Why? What? Why? Why this film?" And I'm joined today. By Willa, and I'm joined today. Oh, yeah, no, that is right. <laughs> Quarantine—it's driving me insane. <laughs> I've actually got Keanu Hair rocking right now. Like, I'm not going to show it to you because it's ghastly. But yeah, I'm joined by M from Verbal Diorama Podcast, and you also write for films. film stories. That's the one. <laughs> I, I do, do not have my notes. <laughs> it's okay. Um, hello and welcome.
0: Hi! (laughs) (laughs) Hi Emily, thanks so much for having me.
1: You are more than welcome. Thank you um, for everything that you've done for me up until this point.
0: Uh, (laughs) Well, I mean, (laughs) it's it's not like I've found a cure for cancer or anything. I wrote wrote a little article on you for the film stories and that's kind of how we kind of got to know each other.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it it was so exciting, like it genuinely was. The day it came out I was like oh, I'm, I can see it. Um I felt like Yeah, was
0: I guess that, like... I get that a lot. But that's, <laughs> yeah. that's you may, you may the reason fun. why I do it. Yeah. Because so, um yeah. I I kind of feel very much like independent podcasting is is such a slog just generally. And <laughs> when you are kind of you know, putting yourself out there every week and, you know, working hard and, mm. and and whatever kind of podcasting you're doing, it doesn't just have to be, you know, movie podcast, any sort of independent podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, you basically get little to no recognition from, mm-hmm. from anyone. So that's part of the reason why I do it. It's basically just so to shine nice. a little light yeah. um, on, on basically everyone who's working really hard, actually, because mm-hmm. it's not easy. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, yeah, just bring a little bit of joy into, into people's ears every so often <laughs> i
1: love it um i will link to the article if you guys want to read the write-up um it's i like it but i'm biased so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well as long as you like it and that's that, that's the main thing
1: <laughs> and we are here today to talk about 1989's bill and ted's excellent adventure the imdb breakdown two seemingly dumb teens set off on a quest to prepare the ultimate historical presentation with the help of a time machine why this film
0: um because it's excellent (laughs) Uh, because it's it's joyous and uh fantastic it deals with time travel in a very easy to understand yet very well as scientifically accurate as you could possibly make it um it's Obviously, stars the wonderful Mr. Keanu Reeves, a man who uh, anyone who's listened to my podcast will know. I just love him more than anything else in the world. So when I was <laughs> when I was given the opportunity to come on here, and uh, Emily asked me, you know, what do you want to do? It was like, uh, well, <laughs> it's 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 kind of got to be this um, uh, specifically. I I I know that there's a lot of people out there who have this conversation about, well, you've got Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and you've got Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will prefer Excellent Adventure a lot of people prefer Bogus Journey. Oh, interesting. I like Bogus Journey because I like that it's so weird and yeah. different and, and just completely, totally different as well. I really, I do enjoy Bogus Journey, but I love Excellent Adventure. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's, Amazing, and, and the other amazing thing is, we're obviously getting a sequel, like a, well, a third part of yeah, this trilogy one, yeah. um, this year. And I can't tell you how excited <laughs> I am, and I also can't tell you how I how quickly I will be at the front of the queue. Uh, hopefully, fingers <laughs> crossed, tickets. if uh, if cinemas are uh, open by yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's um, But I will, I will be there whenever it comes out. I'm so excited for that.
1: Oh, good. I was going to ask you about that because I could, I saw that it was coming out. Um, because I, I very, I, like, watched this on TV once, which basically means that I, like, didn't watch it, and it was on in the background. Um, I don't think I've seen Burger's Journey. I didn't know there was a third one coming out until I watched this one and then did some research. And, um, I kind of vaguely knew about it, and I knew the sort of, like, be excellent to yourself, party on, um, vibe of it. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I didn't know anything. Um, it's a joy, Like, it's genuinely a joy. I will be interested to see how they do the third party because as I was watching it, I was like... I know for a fact that they do not make these movies anymore. They don't make this kind of... uh, They don't allow movies to be this relaxed and fun anymore. Like, it's mostly montage. This movie is, like, 60% montage. Mm -hmm. And... It, it Part of me was like, you know, it started and I was like, oh, this isn't going to pass the Bechdel test, is it? And it it doesn't. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's trying to. Um, I think it would be nice if they did something today to have make the point that women did exist in history and it wasn't just for the dudes. Yeah. Um, but I, I, like, it's 1989, like, I get it, it's fine. Like, that's just me being like, nah, 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 nah. and I know in the third one they've got a lot more, like, women mm-hmm. in it, so, um, that's fine. But, yeah, it's just, it's really not, like, anything I've seen before. It, it's, I don't know, I, I've never seen Wayne's World either, or, like, it sort of yeah. reminded me of, like, dudes where dude wears my car, but, like, better
0: um oh yeah i mean it's it's i think it's very easy to just dismiss this as just a a slacker comedy Mm -hmm. um and just like oh well you've got two really dumb guys who uh you know have to pass this test and so they jump in a time machine in order to pass their history exam Mm -hmm. and i think on a basic level yeah i mean that is essentially what it is um but i think it's It's really fascinating to me about um, how it deals with intelligence um, and how you've got different levels and different types of intelligence. Um, I mean, I think there's a a psychologist and he detailed, I think, nine uh, different types of intelligence that human beings have. Um, But outwardly, you could quite easily say that Bill and Ted aren't smart. You know, they come across as a bit... Oh, dude, you know, yeah. uh, a little bit like that dude, where's my car that you, you mentioned kind of thing. Like, dude, where's my car? Like, I don't know, dude, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, the fact that they, they seem kind of monotonous, I think, with their sort of speech, the fact that they want to start a band and they've got this thing about working with Eddie Van Halen. So they've got these big aspirations and dreams, but yeah. they don't quite have the talent or the aptitude to kind of... Because they're like, oh, well, you know, let's work with Eddie Van Halen. It's like, yeah, but dude, we don't know how to play. It's like, yeah, dude, maybe we should learn. And it's, like, yeah. <laughs> and it's just, and then it's, it's, but it, it, the, their conversations are really interesting because they kind of go around in circles where they talk about working with Eddie Van Halen and then they say, well, we need to actually learn to play music. Yeah. But then they're like, yeah, but we won't learn to play music without Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> so, um, and, and I find that, Uh, fascinating but I I mainly kind of find it quite interesting that that although they are very outwardly intelligent first of all the movie never kind of shames them for that Um, the movie just kind of lets them be who they are as characters Um, but I think it also kind of highlights that these are actually intelligent guys just because someone might not speak the same way as you do or you know have that have academic intelligence like you might
1: it's Um, that that like the expectation of just retaining information that is not relevant like that's not a sign of intelligence and actually when you hear them talk to each other where they're trying to study they know exactly what they're talking about like he knows about captain ahab from moby dick and they know that like this person's on this money and this person is associated with this thing and like they're not completely stupid. Also any fucking school that's like if you don't pass history, you're getting kicked out. Like what? What school that (laughs) kid's career on like the history lesson? Like that, it's not one of the main three. Like like I get it because the movie, but I was just like, what the
0: fuck? Yeah.
1: Why history? Like why is history so important? And we also had the appearance of the classic that is still used to this day, weirdly. Uh, the dad that is, for some reason, desperate to ship his boy off to military camp.
0: Like, yeah, like, what is it with that? I don't
1: get it. It's such a trope. And, like, it really is. You, like, you even see it in, like, Sex Education, which is really recent. Yes! It's oh, all yes, over exactly. the place. Wow. And they're just like, oh, oh, if right, I've given you the opportunity to be a teenager and now I'm bored of letting you try and scrape through school so because of my values I'm going to send you to military school and as like a punishment but also like not like like it's always as a punishment but if they want to send them to military school why don't you just send them to me mil- I don't get it it's a weird trope yeah <laughs> always dads always for boys you never get mums sending their girls off to military camp
0: no and it's also like you've got to kind of ask yourself the question what will military school actually achieve for a character like ted because ted is obviously he's the kind of uh guy and obviously bill as well that they they don't excel at um academia so you put them in a classroom and they're just like yeah whatever dude you know and it's like they they obviously don't flourish in that environment but put them in a practical environment where they actually have to learn the skills necessary in order to put the pieces together mm. um, i, I kind of don't see how sending him to a military school where it's obviously you know um army officers it's all very strict it's all very regimented um and all of that i don't see how
1: yeah
0: it... that would actually help him it might it would probably just make it worse
1: literally it always feels like it's a form of discipline But then it's like, well, why didn't you just discipline your child in the first place, angry dad? Like, oh, send you to military camp where you get some real discipline and you learn how to be a man. You're the parental figure here. Why haven't you disciplined your child? Like, or, or like, oh, yeah, it's stupid. But it's, it's nice. It adds a little bit of threat to like, oh, if we don't do this. I mean, there's enough threat. I liked the, um we were time traveling, but not once was there a fear of like, oh no, we might get stuck in the past, or oh no, how are we going to return these historical figures to their time in history, or oh no, we might literally die. Like, yeah, they have a little bit where it's like, oh no, one of them's dead, but like, it, it lasts about 20 seconds. And the entire time you're like, no one is convinced that Keanu Reeves is dead. Like, so <laughs> <But it> was,
0: <laughs> What makes me laugh so much is that it, it kind it does play a little bit fast and loose with uh, accuracy and uh, <laughs> uh, but one of the one of the greatest things about this film is that you know, you see his character fall down the stairs in a whole suit of armour, and then he's <laughs> are so lying at the bottom, and then and then obviously the, the sword goes in and then you think, oh no, you know, <laughs> could they have possibly killed Ockeyana Reeds? Why would you? He's yeah. the most handsome man on the planet, of course. <laughs> Um, I mean, obviously, he was wearing helmet, so they didn't know he was Keanu Reeves, but that's beside the point. <laughs> but, when, but then the audience is expected to believe that he fell down the stairs, he recovered from falling down the stairs mm-hmm. enough to not only get his entire... Um,
1: self out of a suit yeah, of oh,
0: armour. out of a suit of armour, and then lay it out properly in such a way that it looked Literally. like he was still lying there. And I'm just like, this movie is
1: incredible. I think that's it, that's the word for it. Because I was watching bits of it and I was like, you cannot come for this movie because it is literally telling you, like why bother, why bother coming for this movie? We're not here to do anything except have a really good time. So they're like escorting Socrates out from the ruins of Athens into their time machine. All of these people, Genghis Khan, Joan of Arc, they're all completely chill. Yeah. traveling through time. <laughs> They're all just completely cool about it. Things can willingly. Cleans a toilet. Freud uh, <laughs> hoovers the couch with, like, no worries. None of them are, like, shocked by the technology. They can all breathe in the air. They don't catch colds or anything. Like, it really is just, like, dumb fun. And I don't yeah. mean dumb in, like, it's stupid. Like, it is stupid, but it's, like... It's fantastical. It's, yeah, I think that's what it is. And, like... It does make you... I sat there and I was like, ooh, like, it would be fun. And this is the thing, this is why I don't think they would do it today, because today people would be like, oh no, we need to make it more grounded in a reality. This movie Mm. is not grounded in any reality, um, not even our own. And I think that's what lets it get away with how it is, and I think that's what makes it fun, because it is pure, like, popcorn movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. But like I say, the the thing that I like about it is yes, it it is just a pure fun popcorn movie. You could stick it on now. Um, There is a lot for sort. It is a family movie. You know, that's kind of how I was first introduced to it: is watching it, you know, with family. Um, And and it's it's a movie that does, I think, really endure, um, considering its age, um, you know, I mean it's it's over 30 years old. Yeah. Um, but the, the reason I think it's Lin-Jaws is a really, really simple one. And I think it's the, the baseline message of the movie, which is be excellent to each other. Yeah. Um and and that is something that I think is it it's so simple mm-hmm. but it's so effective and it bears repeating. It resonates through to today yeah. because I think everyone could be you know more excellent to each other it's something that I kind of always take from it that fundamentally yes Bill and Ted they're not academically clever you know but they they have an emotional intelligence and they have like a sort of a a societal intelligence in a way to sort of say well yeah we should all just be more excellent to each other you know we as as humans we have a tendency to you know put each other down or you know um uh discriminate against yeah. each other for stupid reasons and it's like no actually if we were all just more excellent to each other then maybe this utopia that uh, you know that Bill and Ted will uh, actually uh, achieve in 2688 yeah. you know maybe <laughs> that is a possibility if we are just follow the mantra of the excellent yeah, to each to other
1: yeah. Yeah, they have a willingness to learn and they have an enthusiasm when they're interested in the subject and all it took was just a different route to go back to the ways of learning and how that doesn't define your intelligence they have proved that like look we found a way to get just as much information if not more out of something without having to just sit down and read a textbook and then recite it yeah. like there are there are more practical and interesting ways to learn and um teach as well like i think uh one of the things i read was that um alex winter gets a lot of uh, te- uh, letters from teachers saying like thank you for inciting a love of history or an interest in history into my students but also um you've ruined the way they want to talk <laughs> like no <their laughs> now shit, but <laughs> their interest in history is like searched and i think it's really cool to have a time Traveling, because I compare it to something off the top of my head, like Time Bandits, which I've never actually finished watching because I found I've it quite seen. boring. Yeah. Um, but it's similar vibes where you go back in time and you like bump into all of these historical figures. But it had a seriousness to it that this doesn't. And even though they're very much just paying lip service to these different things hopefully you could i mean I, I don't know if it was for you you would be like oh that's interesting i wonder who that person is and then you're more likely to look into them and expand your uh, knowledge of history um just purely from the snapshot of seeing them in the telephone box with bill and ted um so that could be really cool i don't like that they're like literally all men but mm-hmm. um i get it it's 1989
0: yeah <laughs> it's, that a lot. <laughs> it, that's the thing it's not it's not the most feminist of, of movies mm-hmm. um and i think uh, you know and i'm sure you feel the same that as a woman you know you you tend to kind of find yourself really looking into m- these sorts of movies and kind of going well actually there were no women behind the scenes there's no women really in front of the camera other than the princesses who barely speak and, mm-hmm. and a uh, bill's uh, bill's hot stepmother. Yeah. <laughs> Is, even, at least with Bill, uh, he doesn't know much, but at least he knows what an edible complex is. Right, would was so funny <laughs> <laughs> because like, like they they mention like the stepmother is only a few years older than they are. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, uh, and and um, and in the sequel, she's actually married to Ted's father. Oh my god! So so yeah, she <laughs> basically switches to the father is which insane. is quite funny. Um, but um. But yeah it's um that the, yeah, I kind of can't really look at it with those kind of goggles though because I kind of feel like sometimes you just need to sit and, and watch a film and enjoy it Definitely. and not just sit and and examine every
1: what it's missing yeah it's like I do get it I think because I'm coming to it pretty much for the first time in 2020 I am looking at it and being like oh that's a shame But I think if I'd watched it a lot more when I was younger, because there's lots of movies that don't have, like, women in them or, or good women characters in them, and I still enjoy them because I was indoctrinated like I watched them when I was so young mm-hmm. that I was just like I love this movie for what it is it doesn't have to say anything about womanhood or, mm-hmm. or female it's characters. just nostalgia <laughs> isn't it yeah whereas like because this is new to me it was a very prominent issue that I was having <laughs> that I was like women are prizes in this movie and I resent that <laughs> <laughs> but it's not about that like no. and, and they're really nice to the women. They don't treat them bad. They don't like.
0: No, they're sweet guys. Men. They're they're yeah. they're just really exactly. lovely, innocent, sweet yeah, guys. Like they. they, really they are. It's really interesting because I think a lot of movies that have predominantly male protagonists. So if you look at something like American Pie, for example, mm-hmm. like literally all they care about is losing their virginity yeah. and having sex and finding hot women and having mm-hmm. sex and losing their virginity. Yeah. Um, whereas. With, at least with something like Bill and Ted, yes, they are young guys. Yes, they do fancy women because they fancy Bill's stepmother, like yeah. you know, yeah. clearly. Um, but they, that's not quite. That's not the be-all and end-all of, of this tale for them. Yes, they see the princesses, and um, and Ted specifically, you know, says, "Oh, he sees this princess from afar, and he's like, dude, I'm in love." And it's <laughs> like, and it's like the whole concept of love at first sight, and it's it, it's very. I think it could come across as very um you know a little bit kind of smarmy if done you know uh differently yeah. but in this, it just feels very innocent it feels like first crush and
1: i think and then... that is because of the casting i think yeah. the casting of Keanu and Alex Winter made these characters who they were they made them so likable that like you hear about the original concepts of what the characters were meant to be these two guys are just so likeable and watchable and comforting to be in the presence of and you trust them and they're just having a good time and their friendship is strong, they could so easily have been up themselves a little bit more Mm. or like nasty or mean or like toxic, but they're just really not and I genuinely think that's down to the casting.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I know that obviously Keanu Reeves uh, is literally a household name. I think everyone in the world knows who he is. Yeah. Um, Alex Winter, obviously not so much now. And I think, yeah. I think Alex Winter gets a lot more stick than I think is deserved because I kind of feel that like obviously Keanu was this kind of standout star. He he basically then he he'd obviously had a career before this, but he really kind of came into the public consciousness with this and parenthood. And then a couple of years after this, uh, Point Break came out, oh, wow, which yeah. kind of cemented, I think, his, um, his star in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But Alex Winter is actually quite an accomplished director in his own right. Oh, wow. Um, and um, yeah, he's actually more involved in Hollywood than I think a lot of people think. He is. That's cool. um, But, I, you know, I kind of feel like I've read quite a lot of articles, um, especially, you know, when this was coming up to its um, 30th anniversary, there was quite a lot of articles out there. And a lot of them were like, oh, yeah, you know, Keanu Reeves, he's so great in this movie. And then they were like, oh, and Alex Winter, who's that? Yeah. And it's like, don't be disrespectful Literally. to the man. It's, um, like, um, it's like all
1: those that's just that a... were in movies, and then they like – took 30 years out to like be on the stage and they were like heavily on the stage but because they weren't in movies these articles are always like oh my god their career like died in 1997 and no one's ever heard of them again and it's so so tragic (laughs) they were on the globe theater for 25 years yeah like fucking hell like they're still doing shit they're just not in your stupid hollywood movies like there's more to art Than the movies, it's very very frustrating because I used to be one of those people. I used to be like, oh my god, poor them, like they just stopped working, I guess. And then you're like, no, they did like television or radio or voiceover or like one of the many other things. I probably enjoyed it more. Yeah,
0: exactly. And at the end of the day, you've you've got to pay your bills. If you're not getting the lucrative Hollywood, you know, starring roles, you've got to pay your bills somehow. And and I kind of feel like as a society, we kind of have this. Um, this image of celebrity, and that if you're not, you know, up there in like the A list or the B list, mm-hmm. and you know, you might, you know, you you happen to be further down the ladder, and you might be doing commercials, or like you say, you might be doing something else. You might even be working in Tesco's. Yeah. You know, it kind of it doesn't matter, you know. A, least you're still putting food on the table, mm-hmm. and and B, at least you're actually contributing to society in some mm-hmm. way. Um, and I kind of feel like there's a massive stigma um, especially in the tabloid press, who were just the worst of the worst anyway, Mm -hmm. um, to to vilify people who, just because they're not at the level of Keanu Reeves, it doesn't Mm. mean that they're not valuable. It
1: doesn't mean that they failed as people. Exactly. Like, and like, you probably don't wanna be Keanu Reeves. From what I vaguely know about the poor man is that he's had a very hard and tragic life. Yeah. And, like, that's super sad. And, like, yes, he could have all the money in the world and all the fame in the world, but that's not going to bring back people that he's lost over the years or, like, hardships that he's gone through. And, like, people always forget about that as well. Yeah. But I think he's got a shtick as one of the, like, nicest people in Hollywood. Um, that's what I know about Keanu Reeves, that he's just an absolute darling. Yeah. Um, and I fully believe it. If anything were to ever come out like shitting on keanu reeves i just wouldn't believe it unless i had hard proof because you know some people you can be like yeah i'd believe that there'd be a, like a bit of a dirt like you hear these stories about ellen and you're like yeah i could believe that keanu reeves mm-mm, he's an angel from the very yeah. little that i know oh, about
0: him he's an absolutely angel. like and that's the thing and i think that's his enduring appeal is you know i, I always make a point of saying quite re- uh, regularly about how attractive he is and he is probably the most attractive man in the entire world the man does not age either i mean he still He's looks incredible yes. um and, and i'm not gonna lie if he came to my house and he was like oh you know do you fancy going on a date and i'll be like yes please <laughs> but you know i i think a lot of his appeal does come down to his character and and about the stories that we hear we don't hear much about him other than, like you've mentioned, the uh, tragedies that have occurred in his life, which, you know, you don't wish upon anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, you know, I think the fact that the stories that come out about him tend to be of things like him giving up his seat on public transport for a pregnant yeah. lady. Or, you know, um, signing autographs for kids yeah, in the park. Literally. And, and, and it's just, he is the sort of person that you want in your life. You know, just <laughs> yeah. like genuine, just as, you know, just as a friend. I mean, uh, sweetheart. ideally as a lover, but just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> as, a, as a friend, <laughs> exactly, but, um, no, yeah. I think he, he is, he is one of the best, mm-hmm. I think, just, just generally, he puts everything into every role, and I, and yeah. I feel very strongly that a lot of the time he is, um, people will say, oh, you know, he can't act, Keanu Reeves can't act because and they'll, and, they'll, and they'll cite something like Bram Stoker's Dracula uh, yeah. as, as a as a reason for why he can't act, mm-hmm. um, which you know, as, as far as I'm concerned, he'd come off a, a run of movies at that time. He was absolutely knackered and he took a role and yes, he was miscast, but the movie itself is actually phenomenal. The by movie's the way. brilliant
1: and mm-hmm. I, the thing is, he makes I believe him as Jonathan Harker. He looks right. It's I think people mistake a bad accent with bad acting. Mm. And perhaps it does affect well, if you're desperately trying to do this accent, your acting will inevitably suffer because you're concentrating so hard on how you're saying it, you're not thinking about why you're saying it and that's what acting is fundamentally. And I think it's it's that and then you think oh you know, if I think about Keanu Reeves, if I ignore Always Be My Maybe where he I mean, I've not seen any Keanu Reeves movies, but that's my favourite role he's ever done. Oh, um, he's great isn't he? I him that. a joy. Uh, you do think the things that come to mind are like Point Break, Constantine, John Wick, movies that I've never seen, but because they're sort of whitewashed with this like, uh, oh action, uh, often like supernatural action almost, that yeah. sort of like fantastical yeah. action, so it's like the lowest rung of the lowest rung of the genres, because people don't take action movies seriously, they don't take fantasy movies seriously, and if you combine the two usually that results in a Keanu Reeves movie and therefore I think people are then like, oh well then he clearly can't act because they're just putting Keanu Reeves in a movie to move around some fancy sets and get a hot woman in and then call it a day Um, Mm. but I completely believe that he's a phenomenal actor in the very few things that I've seen him in, he's always... Mm. But it's funny, isn't it? You just, it's very easy to paint these people from the genres that they choose, the projects that they opt in for, and then just make assumptions based on the sort of uh, calibre of those movies. Like, if he was in all the Oscar bait movies, and people still didn't watch him in them, they might then be like, oh, well, he's a very good actor, but because he takes these movies that are um, not art in some people's opinion. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I on on my podcast, I mean, I've featured him specifically. His movie specifically on a few occasions. Mm-hmm. Um I've done an episode on Speed, which which is the standard nice. kind of action movie that everyone kind of goes to. It's yeah. still great. Yeah. Um and I've and, I, and then, you know, the other thing that Keanu is very well known for is is sort of sci-fi action. Mm-hmm. And and I've done The Matrix as well, which is kind of the pinnacle of, of his career, really. I've
1: completely forgotten everything that Keanu Reeves is in, which in my head <laughs> shows that he's a good actor because exactly. he's like invisible within the he like melds into the movie so much that you say Keanu Reeves, and all I could think of was a movie where he literally plays Keanu Reeves, (laughs) 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 because everything else, he becomes that character, arguably. I completely fucking forgot that he was in the fucking Matrix.
0: But this (laughs) is the thing, right, and I think you've hit the nail on the head, is that you say Keanu Reeves, and, and instantly, your mind goes to these, you know, specific movies, like, you know, things like The Matrix and Speed, but you... He he's not playing Reads in any of those movies. No. You know when he's in the Matrix, he is Neo. He is Neo, yeah. You know when, and Constantine is another one that I've done, and I, and I absolutely love Constantine, mm. um, because it, it's based on um, it's based on a comic book. It's not faithful really to that comic book at all, but it's still absolutely wonderful. It's a real visual treat, mm. and in that movie, he is John Constantine. He's not the John Constantine that people know. You know, yeah. from, from the comic books, but he is John Constantine in that movie. In that movie um, yeah. and, and I would so, kind of say to anyone if you don't believe that Keanu Reeves is a good actor, then I just have three words, and that is The Devil's Advocate. Ooh. Because The Devil's Advocate, I think, is one of the best performances he's ever done. Um, it's, so you're searching for The Devil's Advocate. Now, aren't you? <laughs> um, it's, it's a truly incredible film. Um, it's uh based around him being a lawyer and he has to um... oh
1: i've seen that dvd in woolworths
0: before. <laughs> Yeah, Woolworths back in the day. it's um it's a great movie i don't want to say too much about it because it's um but but essentially it's uh it's him making the deal making a deal with the devil oh classic um, and... i'm gonna
1: go through and watch all the de- dealing with the devil movies at one point it looks better than bedazzled i'll give it that
0: I mean, <laughs> uh, well, Bedazzled uh, has its charms. It has I Brendan um, Fraser. <laughs> uh, Brendan Fraser, one. Brendan Fraser is is one of my absolute favourites. I've always I said that. Um, I still rate The Mummy nineteen ninety nine as one of the greatest films oh, ever made. Boy. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I guest on a podcast talking about that for about three hours. I uh, yeah, I adore that movie. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's uh, it's it's one of the greatest. I've done an episode on it myself, and it was it was a long one. Could have yeah. been longer. Um, but yeah. Uh, it's, uh anyway, anyway, we're not here to talk about Brendan <laughs> Fraser, I feel like we're going off topic, but, but yeah, uh, as far as Keanu's concerned, I would say, don't believe anyone who tells you Keanu Reeves is not a good actor, he is a mm. great actor, he, that's why he's, and that's why he's constantly still working, you know, he's constantly still making movies, because yeah. he's a good actor. Um, and he
1: clearly is a good person to work with. I imagine he always turns up on time, knows his lines, doesn't bump into the furniture, doesn't treat people like shit. Like, yeah. it's, like if people are nice to work with, they will continue to get work, because why wouldn't they?
0: Exactly. I think, I'm trying to remember exactly which movie it was, but there was a story in the press of him, um, I think it might have been The Matrix, actually, off the top of my head, but I'm pretty certain he donated um, some of his salary to the cast, to, sorry, to the crew, um, because obviously he was making, you know, millions and millions of dollars, and you know, a crew member on a movie like that is really not going to be making yeah. that much it's money, not. um, yeah. so yeah, he, um, he apparently donated oh, part of his salary, uh, to them, God. so he's just, he's just such
1: a... Like, it's so easy oh. for him to do as well, because even with probably donating 50% of his salary, he still has more money than you probably ever need, and like just a complete lack of greed is just so attractive in people.
0: I know, right? <laughs>
1: God, I'm I'm like coming into your like little Keanu box. I'm like, the more I talk about
0: it, the more I'm like, God damn, yeah. Keanu. He's just he's a wonderful human being, and he's literally the most attractive man in the world. So he is the full package, basically. Yeah, he Uh, seems literally perfect. I know. (laughs) I know. I know. And that's and that's why uh that's why I love him so much. And I think that's one of the reasons because this, like I said, this was one of the first kind of big movies that he did. Mm, And 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 I kind of feel like this is a lot of the uh of my kind of generation's first look at at this man as an actor. And 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 when you see it, you you're kind of a little bit like, well, you know, he's great at pretending to be an idiot, but <laughs> yeah. but then you look at Keanu in real life, and he's nothing like that. So actually, he is a pretty great actor. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I was thinking that. I was like, it takes it's it's that thing where like you need to be really clever to be to play like stupid very well, like slapstick mm. and comedy and all of these things tend to be done better of people that are like like really talented and smart Yeah, um, it's not that easy to play a likeable idiot. Um, it could have gone so wrong with the wrong casting.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And I think um, I remember a quote, I think it was um, Lisa Kudrow who plays Phoebe in Friends and obviously Phoebe in Friends is very ditzy, yeah. you know, very daft and said silly things. But Lisa Kudrow is actually incredibly intelligent mm-hmm. in real life and she was... You know, worried about taking the part because she was like, "Well, people are going to think that I'm like this character." I'm dippy, yeah. But she is, and I still think to this day, Phoebe and Friends is one of the standout great characters of that show, and it's it's all down to Lisa Kudrow being that smart to be able to know to deliver those lines, to deliver the lines, and I I still think I know Friends is controversial, and I think it has its issues, you know. When when we're talking about a show that's like twenty plus years old. Oh yeah. I've never seen it. I'm not even gonna lie, I've never seen Friends. Okay. Well it's um it's too late now. Yeah, Friend the Friends is mired in a lot of nostalgia for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It's something that I grew up with, a lot of people grew up with. So I get the whole, you know, Friends is brilliant, Friends is the best and all of that. But Mm -hmm. you actually kind of watch it now and there are very problematic things Mm -hmm. in Friends. But it, the standout I think from stand standout character throughout ev- all of Friends is Phoebe That's um and she and and only Lisa Kudrow, as far as I'm concerned so I think yeah. you're absolutely right you have to be very intelligent very smart to be able to act that stupid <laughs>
1: dumb yeah successfully yeah, yeah. Um, we haven't talked about George Carlin. I thought he was gonna be in this movie a lot more than he actually is. He's really not
0: in it all that much, is he? Mm. He's Um, in it for
1: literally like, probably like five minutes max. Yeah, yeah. Like seven minutes, something like that. I thought he like, was there the whole time for some reason. I was like, and George Carlin. But no, he's like a cameo almost.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is pretty much an extended cameo. Mm. but what I like about it is, I mean, this is, this is the, probably the first thing that I ever saw of George Carlin. Like, and to be honest, I don't really know too much about him as a performer. Yeah. Um, so I'm really kind of only going on Rufus as my main kind of <laughs> point of knowledge for the whole of George Carlin's work. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure he's had a very successful, very uh, long career. Uh, outside of Bill and Ted, um, but yeah, Rufus is kind of the only thing I know him for, sadly. Yeah, um, well, I
1: think he's a comedian, isn't he? he was yes. A
0: comedian, yeah. But
1: I only know him from Dogma because he plays uh, the like cardinal in Dogma, uh, Kevin Ooh. Smith's movie about religion. Yes.
0: Do you know what? I think that goes. <laughs> I think that shows how really? long it's been since I've seen Dogma because. I remember really enjoying Dogma yes. <laughs> back when I saw it, but I've not seen it for so long.
1: I'll give it a rewatch, so. I love it so much. I don't know what I'm talking about, but he didn't seem to bring anything to the role that couldn't have been done by literally anyone else because the role wasn't a thing. Does that make sense? Like the role was not fleshed out enough or enough anything. Yeah. Like it was very forgettable, very small part. I know they wanted someone like Sean Connery to begin with, and they ended up with George Carlin, and they were very happy about it. But honestly, it could have been an unknown and have the same effect. Like it just—it was—it was a a very non-part considering that it was George Carlin as Rufus, Mm -hmm. and I was like, but that could have been a lamp and (laughs) the same result would have happened. I, I don't know, that <laughs> maybe that's
0: controversial. Um, I, I, I think that where you've got the whole kind of and George Carlin thing, um, it kind of does set it up as being a bit more than what it is, mm. um, and I mean certainly I remember when, because I mean I've seen this movie quite a few times in recent years, but before that it had been sort of since I was a child, and I do recall watching it again, sort of, you know, with quite a substantial amount of time in between and thinking, oh, George Carlin's not in this all that much. You know, I remembered him being in it more. Mm, But for me, that was kind of testament to the character of Rufus because I genuinely thought Rufus was in it a lot more than he was. <laughs>
1: yeah. And maybe that's what I had. Cause he, maybe he stood out so much the first time I watched it. I was like, ah oh, yeah, the man that's in it for 90% of the movie rather than like the man that's in it for like 9% of the
0: movie. Yeah. He's, uh, he's really just there for exposition mm. uh, is, is generally all he's there for. Mm. Um, and to obviously explain the whole kind of theory of the great ones. And this is the utopia and this is what, you know, has got to happen. And, um, and this is how we're going to do it. Mm. Um, what, I think what I quite like is he he is a Rufus just generally is a man of very few words. Yeah. Because he just kind of, all he says, were you know, he's this gentleman, puts his sunglasses on, and then like yeah. something happens. Um, but I I I do feel like although he's not there for a long time, I do feel like he makes an impact because for me, obviously the main characters are Bill De- Bill like I said, and it's Bill, Ted and Rufus. Mm, yeah. Um so, yeah, I think, I think he does make more of an impact than the time on screen would suggest True. that he does. Um, but, yeah, I, I know that, obviously, with the new movie coming out, um, they obviously would have wanted him to be in it. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us, yeah. so um, he can't be in it. And I know that they've chosen not to recast, I believe, Rufus. Oh, that's good they feel like no one could be Rufus other yeah, than fair. Rufus. Um, in Bill and Ted's bogus journey, there is a, uh, a character uh, essentially who is Death, who's very funny in oh. Bill and Ted's bogus journey. And they are bringing the character of Death back for the sequel. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm with sure the same actor, yeah, um, so, so yeah, I think that will be quite funny, but I, I do think that Rufus, um, I think he will be much missed actually in, hmm. in this third movie um because i do think he
1: he's almost like a like a watcher like a yeah.
0: like yes yes like very much like their giles yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, <laughs> like te- teaching them the way giving them yeah. the tools they need. guiding them through yeah basically. like yeah it's funny there are so many historical characters in this movie Only one of them is not white, and only one of them
0: is a woman. I'm so obsessed with it. Um. I think that the choice of um, characters is interesting, because you've got, obviously, um, the likes of, like, American heroes, so to speak. You've got, like, the likes of Abraham Lincoln and, like, Billy the Kid, and they're very, kind of, American, sort of, hero, historic historic kind of um, characters. But then I kind of feel like it goes for the, the the names, so to speak. Like if you were if you were making a historical movie, who would you choose? You'd choose Napoleon, You'd Yeah, literally. Choose Beethoven.
1: Socrates, Freud. No, you mean
0: Socrates? Socrates. <laughs> <laughs> genuinely, I remember watching this movie when I was a kid. I genuinely thought that the, the pronunciation was Socrates from that time. <laughs>
1: Classic. I bet you're not
0: alone in that. <laughs> no, well, the thing is, and also, this movie, it feels very reminiscent of a very more, you know, a much more modern movie. Well, actually, not really modern compared to this, thinking of it. Um, a little bit more modern. and um, It reminds me in its tone um, of Clueless in many ways. Um, oh,
1: okay. I've
0: in, not in, seen in, Clueless. Oh, Clueless is... it's a modern classic. It's oh. Uh, I have actually just released an episode not long ago on Clueless because it's one of my absolute favourites. I was Um, like,
1: I really do need to watch that.
0: And, and it's, it's funny because the character of Cher in Clueless is very outwardly not the most intelligent person in the room. Um, you know, academically she, she gets good grades by, um, basically bartering for them rather than actually doing academic work. but there's one particular scene in Clueless where she talks about immigration. And again, it's something that is very relevant to now. And I think her argument um, for this debate on immigration that she has in her class um, is, is very um, reminiscent of a lot of arguments that people are still having about you know, immigration and stuff. And she basically, her argument is, well, she uses a birthday party for her father as an example. And she basically says, oh, well, you know, I sent out RSVPs and then loads of people came that didn't RSVP. So I had more people. So then I was like, well, what am I going to do? And then she was like, we basically went to the kitchen, we rearranged some stuff and we parted with them. You know, and it was very much uh, uh, that sort of, not a very kind of academic intelligence, but a real kind of emotional intelligence and, yeah. and societal intelligence. It's uh, very reminiscent of, of what Bill and Ted yeah. have um, and also mispronunciation as well because obviously Bill and Ted with Socrates and um, Sherry Clueless um, mispronounces Haitians as Haitians um, which was actually Alicia Sildeson the actress she mispronounced it and they kept it in Oh, cute! so it, 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 there's, there's a lot of similarities there and the character of Cher is very lovable very likable instantly she's sweet she's kind she's not a bitch mm, yeah. yeah very much like Bill and Ted so I think as companion pieces, I know it's weird companion piece to have, but I think it's very, very similar.
1: Similar vibe that they were going for, Yeah, which must have been so refreshing during this time of like hardcore jocks and hardcore cheerleaders. Exactly, right. yeah.
0: Um, and yeah. it's
1: funny how they managed to sneak in these like sweet, compassionate protagonists in there without us really noticing, because you look on the outside, you look at the DVD covers, for example, and you'd be like, stupid morons, and vapid cheerleader but like it's not that at all like at all at all
0: exactly and i think it it speaks to just the um the cleverness of the actual people who are writing these movies Mm. to actually say well you know yeah they could just be dumb jocks yes you could just be a a rich vapid blonde bitch Mm. but actually people have layers people are just what they look like People aren't just what they sound like. Mm-hmm. People aren't just their jobs or their families or school or whatever. People are people. Yeah. Um, and I think it is. it it sounds deep. It's actually not that deep when you, <laughs> when you really kind of look at it. And, yeah. you know, I think there's a lot of judgment on, you know, like I say, how a person looks, how a person acts, how a person talks. But really, you've got to kind of look at the person. And I think that's something that Bill and Ted just they just do so wonderfully mm-hmm. is that they are just really sweet charming lovely guys um and all they want to do is make music and that is literally that that might seem vapid to some people because you could argue well why don't they you know why doesn't he want to be a police officer like his dad or mm-hmm. you know why don't they have bigger dreams it's like, well actually no that is a valid enough dream to want to be in a band and to want to change the world of music that is a totally valid dream and they're
1: they're um they're not punished for it if anything they succeed beyond anyone's imaginations by literally forming a future society a utopian society
0: all by the power of wild stallions i
1: love it so much
0: (laughs) yeah and it's it's one thing as well that I really love about this is it obviously talks a lot of it talks about time travel um, and um, I think that the version of time travel that we see in this film it's a it is a very simple way of of time travel uh, but actually if you look at it it's actually not that simple um, because scientific studies about time travel and everything have have basically said that there are there are i think there are only two different possible explanations for uh, principles of time travel and one of them is predestination which is what this movie deals with and essentially that is that everything that happens was always going to happen because it happened um and that nothing that anyone does will change that because the future is set okay so it's kind of like case Sararah in it's kind of purest most enjoyable and, and delightful on-screen form yeah. um so it's like it's it's really difficult i find time travel in movies sometimes really difficult to get your head around because so many different movies talk about time travel in their own way and back to the future has its version of time travel whereby anything that changes in the past will affect the future and so that's why marty has to go back in time mm-hmm. to actually then change the future but in this they go back in time to make the future happen, but the future's already happened because they go back in time to make the future happen. So it's like a constant, yeah. a constant circle of, and it's kind of going back to the circle that I mentioned in the language that they they talk about something, they talk about something else, but they go back to the first thing and they constantly go back to it. It's like yeah, um, so constant circles are like um, the way the easiest way to explain the time travel in this movie is that in the future, Bill and Ted are you know they're idols they are the great ones um they're the great ones because of their music um but they were only able to make the music because Rufus went back in time to help them pass history mm-hmm. um so in in their version of 1988 they got the help from the future that made the future possible because it already happens in the future yeah it's <laughs> so, so it actually makes a lot of sense yeah. if you if you think that Everything that happens to you in the future already happens. So even if you went back in time to the past, your future would still happen because you've already gone back in time to the past.
1: Yeah, because it was always going to take into consideration you going back in time to the past. Exactly. Ah, that's really
0: cool. But that's what I love about it. And I love little things like like these little threads that it comes back to, such as like Ted's dad saying, I've lost my keys. Yeah! Ted! Ted, have you taken my keys? No dad, I didn't no. take the keys. But then it's been, and then it's established later on that because, so the keys are lost, but they're picked up later because Ted did take the keys. He yeah. traveled back in time, but unknown to his self at that point. That
1: was really interesting. A lot yeah. of stuff was happening because they'd previously gone back to sort that shit out. So they, as it was happening, they were reminding themselves to do it. Like, oh, we must remember to go put these keys back or we must remember to bring a trash can. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah which is wonderful, which if, but like, if you like we never can't see them,
1: It's not back to the future in that we we never see them go back and set up these traps and stuff. And I was okay with that because I was like this yeah. is just a really cute use of time travel like. Yeah, exactly. And I
0: kind of feel like it doesn't need to go back and show you. No. Because, because you've already a waste of time exactly you've already gone through the process of understanding their version of time travel yeah so you don't need to then know you don't need to see them Ted take the keys and then plant the keys and then for future Bill and Ted to find the keys all, all you need to do is sort of say well you know if if we remember to go back in time and take the keys and then plant the keys right now so we could pick them up where would we put the keys we put them behind this sign. yeah <laughs> so, we have <laughs> yeah <laughs> have i just it's just it's just joyous it's just yeah. there is no movie ever that i think will just make you smile as much as yeah, this one does i mean there probably is
1: but it, 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 it lets itself does just be so chill and fun and yeah. like i just really don't think that they let movies do that anymore
0: no, because they're all about... Obviously, movies nowadays, they have to have... They have a certain amount of money spent. It has to... Mm. And and a lot of movies now are obviously based on um, existing material. So they're either a yeah. reboot, a remake, a sequel, a prequel. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is a pretty... Well, it is. It's it's a new idea. You don't really get new ideas now. Yeah, you uh, don't.
1: You're not allowed them.
0: You, you're really not. It's, it's, all, it's all like the... To me, it often feels like Hollywood is just... I mean, it is a big machine, but it feels even more like a machine now because they have this calculation of risk. Uh,
1: oh, and yeah. it's me- based on money. No one's making exactly the passion or the want anymore. You have to be greenlit because you it's guaranteed to make money, and the way they're making money right now is off nostalgia, which is why I was a bit... Yeah. Like, I'm really glad that you're looking forward to the third instalment of this, and I hope that by getting the original cast back in the way that they have, it will be true to it. The idea that they have kids in the third one weirds me out because they are kids in this one yeah
0: um, yeah well the babies the babies are actually born i don't know if it's uh, well i assume it's the same babies but the babies are born at the end of bogus journey mm. so they 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 both have like babies and i think that well they're the same age so obviously they did it at the same time with their princess wives or whatever and not <laughs> <comes laughs> babies and they're exactly the same age um but um but Yeah, I think it's quite interesting because I do remember at the end of Bill and Ted, uh, the Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, that they because they call the babies, I think, little Bill and little Ted. Um, so it's insinuates that the babies are boys, yeah, but obviously but in not. this third movie, they're actually girls, yeah. Um, so I I'm not sure whether they're going to explain that or I'm not, I don't know, I, I don't know what they're going to do with that, but um, yeah, but it's um, it's it. it so much joy every single time <laughs> I watch it and, I, and I'll admit I didn't own it on blu-ray um until we agreed to do this episode and it's just something that I had in my um uh, my DVR box that I would just put on occasionally because I'd recorded it off the TV ages ago yeah um and so it was still there um but I don't have that box anymore um oh. So I was like, look, if I want this, I'm going to have to go out and buy it. So, um, so yeah, I actually invested in the Blu-ray. Um, oh, nice. and, and I'm actually quite impressed with the Blu-ray because the Blu-ray does make it look really good. Um, and even some of the effects, I mean, they are obviously late 80s effects, um, but they actually still look quite decent. And I um, think
1: because most of it is practical effects, exactly yeah and the only thing really is the time travel and because it's time travel you know that's what it's meant to look like it's meant to look like pixelated and weird and wavy like that's it's because time travel shut up like do you know what i mean like they can get away with it because exactly
0: because no one knows what time travel looks like
1: That's, that's just what it looks like yeah so true yeah thank you so much for like choosing this like it was It was a movie that I'd never really intended to go back and watch, ever, because I was just like, I've seen it. I'm like, that will probably do me. And it was really interesting to rewatch to be like, God, this is an absolute cult classic, and I can see why. Um, I I have a lot of respect for movies that become cult, and yeah, I can totally see why this one is.
0: The, The other great thing about this movie is, like you say, it is a cult classic now. Um, but the one thing I really love about the fact that this is a cult cool classic is that I think the word cult cool classic is often used for movies that maybe don't do so well mm-hmm. um, on their first release and then they get like a renaissance on usually like VHS yeah. or, or DVD or something like that and then they become really popular mm-hmm. but Bill & Ted's Excellent Adventure actually did do really well uh, because I think it was made for like $10 million and it made like $50 million. so mean, it actually it was actually quite a success, yeah. um, you know, f- when we're talking about money and stuff like that. Um, so That's I really strange. love, yeah, I really love that it's, it's called a cult classic. And yeah. that, and I really hope that with this uh, third movie that people will go back to these first movies. The movie. so Boga's yeah. Journey is fun, it is a fun movie. I just prefer this one because I think it has more heart and I think it's just, I think it's just pure joy. Um, and I think that the other thing that I really love about this, um, that I, I do actually wanna just briefly touch on is mm. the fact that this movie does predict the future.
1: Ooh.
0: And I'll tell you how, because, <laughs> so <laughs> obviously when they're talking about time travel, I'm not suggesting that time travel is a thing because well, maybe, maybe it will be in, in the so future <laughs> future, um, but I don't quite think scientists have managed to figure out time travel yet, but, if you look at the way they time travel, you mentioned uh, just a little bit ago about how it looks like time travel. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of going down these tubes, <laughs> essentially, to, uh, to get to the, the place in time that they want to go. And if you actually look at it um, in, in like a modern viewpoint, um, I believe that this movie actually predicts the future because they, their method of time travel is a phone box. And obviously, phone boxes, you don't really see them much nowadays. Yeah. Um, but back in the day, you used to go into a phone box, you used to make a call, um, you, sometimes with a coin, sometimes with a card. It was all very antiquated. Um, but Rufus describes the method of time travel with the phone box as by going through the circuits of history. Um, and they specifically use a phone book in the phone box. Phone boxes used to have phone books back in the day. It's all very old. Um, but... <laughs> If you look at how they actually go through time, they go through um, these shoots, which kind of look like cables. They kind of look a little bit like telephone cables or fiber cables. And if you think about it, that is the way we access the internet. So we have a cable that goes into our house, whether it's telephone or via the cable. And then we send off little packets of information through those cables, little telephone boxes, so to speak, um, and then we use a search engine to find what we want to go. So if we're, we want to know the, the history of Napoleon, we will go onto Google, type in Napoleon, and it will go off and it will get that information for us. Yeah. And really, that is essentially what everyone is doing now. Everyone's going on Wikipedia or Google, searching for information on characters or people or historical people or events or whatever, and then bringing that information back. For things like uh, presentations or yeah. that sort of thing. So I'm putting it out there. This movie predicts <laughs> the future. It <laughs> predicted the future in like the late 80s. It predicted the internet.
1: Well, the internet, um, be- like became a thing in 1989. And I imagine this would have been filmed in 1988. So they couldn't yeah, have it was. known about it. So, exactly. like, so yeah, they just that's the, that. Um, I, I dig it. I'll buy
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> does it not does it not just make you love it a little it bit more sense. though? <laughs> yeah, it's cute. It is really, really. It really cute. Is. It's it's very rudimentary kind of explanation for, for the internet. I'm not <laughs> suggesting that you know they're mini telephone boxes in our cables yeah. <laughs> that up yeah. with little mini bill But yeah, I it, like it. it's very rudimentary, but it, it, I think it's a really great way of understanding actually how we get our information, how we retrieve our information, how we digest our information. Um, because literally, I swear, everyone who's listening to the podcast, these ones today will go on Google and search for something, even if it's a recipe or a TV guide or, yeah. you know, information about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, because hopefully <laughs> people will be. But that bit of information goes off, comes back, and it gives you all of the information that you need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is essentially what Bill and Ted are doing in this movie. Like except it. they're bringing back the actual characters the actual
1: people
0: you're yeah. totally
1: cool with that <laughs> <laughs> amazing Hello. Um, do you want to tell us about verbal diorama
0: oh, okay if i miss well <laughs> uh yeah so i host a podcast called verbal diorama um i like to talk about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't um, as I've mentioned, I do have several episodes featuring films of Keanu Reeves, um, I don't just cover Keanu Reeves, I'm um, also am a big fan of animation, so I've covered quite a lot of animation, um, but literally anything and everything uh, is featured on my podcast. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, like I say, movies you know, movies you don't. I'm just trying to think, how else can I sell this? I'm not very good at selling my own podcast, sorry. Um it's fine. But, um, but, yeah, obviously, you can download Verbal Diorama um, wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, I am on Twitter, uh, which is just at Verbal Diorama. I'm also on my Instagram, at Verbal Diorama. and on Facebook, at Verbal Diorama, because I'm the only person in the world weird enough to call their podcast Verbal Diorama. So... Um, <laughs> So yeah, and obviously, and I have a website as well, which is just verbaldiorama.com, and um, yeah, I've, I, don't, I, don't, I and I also, uh, the, the reason that Emily and I actually met in the first place was I also do bits of writing on the side, so I also write for film stories, um, and I, need, I would just like to give them a bit of a plug just generally because um, they are an independent movie magazine. They're also a Ooh. website as well, and yeah. Um, yeah it's run by some really wonderful people and yeah uh, feel free to check out the magazine you can purchase back uh, back copies of the uh, magazine and stuff online yeah. um and um, yeah the i do a weekly british podcast recommendation which is coincidentally how i met emily in the first place because <laughs> i recommended uh this very podcast that i'm talking on um, now i think it's the greatest podcast in the world other than my own because i'm on it so <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah so film he, <laughs> <podcasts>. <laughs> yeah you you can you can find me wherever if you want to talk about keanu reeves, <laughs> talk about keanu reeves i am there for that
1: hell yeah um it's <laughs> uh, you've got such a great lineup on your uh podcast um you go from treasure planet to spirited away you do some spider-man lego movie like i am a huge animation fan so me i've too. got all of those saved up to listen to I'm very
0: oh wonderful to um, um, yeah they they were yeah. that particular season for me i did a whole animation season and it's something mm. that i'm very passionate about I'm passionate about a lot of things obviously <laughs> but i'm very passionate about animation specifically because i feel like animation is seen as the lesser cousin to live action yes, um, it's really it's not. You can do so much more with animation. It's so much more rich and varied than people give it credit for. And also, I would just like to add, animation is not a genre. I am. Thank bored. you. Oh, what are the people say? Oh animation
1: God. is a genre. Say it louder for the people at the back. <laughs> I not. have been like placarding this <laughs> yes. around every building I've ever been to. Like yeah. stop fucking it needs its own award awards se- i mean it has its own award season but like it needs more than just uh best animated movie at the oscars like uh, what no like uh, it's not a genre it's a medium it's, it's like a form it's, and, uh, and
0: it, it's so much more expressive than live action as well because yes. you have limitations in live action um that you, excuse me, that you possibly have. can't have in animation because animation you can do anything. you can make someone fly and it will be so much more realistic than any live-action mm-hmm. uh, flight. It's, I Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I did that season, uh, just yeah. to highlight some really brilliant animated movies that are out there. Um, I actually do want to do another season. And I'm not sure whether I will or whether I'll just do it <laughs> because there's so many others. Um, yeah. So I've, I have got a couple more animated ones on my schedule because um, I did obviously uh, a few of the Studio Ghibli movies, mm-hmm. and that is just... I mean, there's anything and everything. The Studio Ghibli put out is just phenomenal, but I know a lot it's of people were- <laughs> like, Exactly. Like,
1: there's a Studio Ghibli for literally everyone, regardless of who you are and what you like. like. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it, the output is pretty much consistently phenomenal, but a lot of people were very upset about Princess Mononoke not being in that lineup. Yeah. And that was literally only because I had three slots, <laughs> and that was it. So Princess Mononoke is coming, Yes. Uh, but it will probably have come, uh, before this episode goes out. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so if you're listening now, you're listening, it's probably already out. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> Hooray. Yeah,
1: absolute classic. Thank you so much! It has been so fun to, like, meet you over Zoom
0: zoom zoom welcome it's been it's been incredible to talk to you and yeah I've always kind of felt like you're the type of person that I'd really get on with so I wasn't I wasn't worried or or, you know nervous or anything I was just like let's do this like we are just gonna get on like a house on fire and we do we do
1: oh my god like you're literally me like we are the same we are
0: the same we kind of also have the same name as well which is kind of weird uh, <laughs> to the
1: point where I actually thought you had my name for some reason, I was like, "M must be an Emily. Can't possibly be anything else." No. So well,
0: <laughs> Yeah, we 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 pretty much are the same person, which is bizarre.
1: Which is amazing. <laughs> and amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Of
1: course, and we will see you next time on Why This Film. Bye. Bye thank you so much for listening if you enjoy why this film why not head to itunes and leave us a review and you can now support why this film on patreon from as little as one pound a month just head to patreon.com forward slash why this film podcast you can find us on facebook at why this film podcast on instagram at why this film podcast and on twitter at why this film pod if you'd like to come on the show and talk about your favorite childhood movie, email in to us at widestfilmpodcast at gmail.com.
0: The wait is over. New episodes of The Walking Dead Season 10 are premiering early February 21st on AMC+. Don't miss the extended 10th season featuring six new episodes, each focused on fan-favorite characters. Prepare for all-new high-stakes showdowns and emotional reckonings by catching up on the latest season before new episodes drop. With season binges, exclusive content, and early access to new episodes, the best Walking Dead experience is only on AMC+. Get lost in the Walking Dead universe today. Available ad-free and on demand. Sign up at amcplus.com. AMC+, only the good stuff.
1: why this film podcast has a patreon patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for artists and creators to get paid head to patreon.com forward slash why this film podcast and you can select a tier. for three pound a month you can join camelot and enjoy early access to episodes including seasons one to three you'll get to vote in polls and get a personal shout out on the pod For £5 a month, you can join Ferngully with instant access to everything from Camelot. Ferngully members can also enjoy bonus content, live episode voting power, plus access to monthly movie night. Grab your popcorn and a drink of your choice as we pajama up and watch a movie together remotely. And for £10 a month, you can join the Enchanted Forest, where on top of everything from Camelot and Ferngully, you can be part of a live episode where we all discuss a movie chosen by you. And if you're not into 80s and 90s animated tears, you can skip all that and make a custom pledge of an amount that suits you. Or you can head over to co-fi.com forward slash podcast and buy me a coffee with a one-off payment. We'll be adding hot chocolate to that coffee. And probably cream and marshmallows and sprinkles. But you don't need to worry about that. Thank you to all who donate. And thanks to my patron, David, for supporting this episode on Patreon. Why this film podcast is my happy place. I love chatting to guests and revisiting long lost movies. And I hope you do too.